What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? Good morning. Great to be here and, and see you in person again. Yeah. Right? We've, we've met for, uh, quite a while ago. I think it was in, we met face-to-face up in New Smyrna last year. In New Smyrna, that was uh, a world's, TJ McCormick doing yeah. his thing. Yeah. And uh, an interesting event there is it was a live event going for the entirety of the day. Yeah. Um, I got a chance to at least figure out a little bit what's going on with you. But for my audience who doesn't know you, man, to introduce yourself because you're a personality in the blue collar industry. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, and one that uh, a lot of people love being around. Yeah. Um, and so who are you, bro? Introduce yourself. Yeah, well, great. Um, again, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, of course, my name is Chris Scoville. Um, Christopher Ashley Scoville. Mm. There's there's a little bit, so people can actually come at me for that. Hey, well, you know what? That's what, that's what they're coming at you for. Life is pretty good. I it mean, is pretty good. I, I always ask my mom. I said, Mom, and then we're going to get into who I am sure, to answer your question. So I said, Mom, why didn't you name me Scott? And she's, like, deeply offended. She goes, well, Christopher is a beautiful name. And Ashley was named after General Ashley and Gone with the Wind. Mm. I said, but mom, phonetically, think about how perfect life would have been for me. Scott Scoville. Mm. Hi, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Scott Scoville. Oh, yeah. It's just strong. It's got a strong start. It's got a strong ending. And then it rolls to the other S where the Chris Scoville thing runs together. It's kind of weak. Mm. Man, she was pissed. I called her from the road a couple years ago. See, what would have been bad for me about that is my lisp. So you, I'd say it wrong every time. I'm Chris Scoville. Exactly. Then, then people would have just been like, It's okay, weak, this guy, man. This so, guy. yeah, mom was like, I can't believe that you're calling me about this. I mean, we, we love your name. My father and I, we really thought about it when we had it. I was like, God, this is ridiculous. Mom, you still don't understand. Scott Scoville. Yeah. It's strong. It's like a Viking, right? It so, is. It is. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. It's always odd when you do these and people say, hey, tell me about yourself. Um, I'm 52. Um, married. Love my wife. Got two dogs. I have a daughter and a granddaughter. My granddaughter's 11. People look at me and go, wait a minute. Compared to the one out of what's zero. The, what's the mathematic? How did this work? Well, you, you know, I started young in seventh grade. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah. I was 19 when I had my daughter, um, Ashley, and Aaliyah's my granddaughter, and I love them dearly. Um, we live down in Florida, so as you do, you're up yeah, in West Brown. I'm down in the Broward, Lighthouse Point area. Um, been in the industry a long time, brother. Uh, started in roofing um, at about 19 just north of where you are in St. Lucie West, uh, golf, golf, um, St. Lucie West golf oh, courses, yeah, of course. where the, the baseball players, mm-hmm. um, uh, spring training, there's a big one there. Yeah. You got it. Right. So started building custom homes there at 19. I was doing tie beams and, uh, very soon after that in the hot summer of Florida, I was like, there's gotta be a better way. Mm-hmm. So I got into the mortgage banking side of business doing construction or permanent loans on the wholesale side. So at about 23, I'm 52 now, I started doing financing and working with contractors, line item cost breakdowns, um, 203K, um, refinance, home equity, wholesale, retail. I worked for six or seven different national banks. I've worked the unsecured and the secured side, the commercial and the residential side, Mm -hmm. including CPACE and RPACE, which is property says clean energy. So I think... And I had um, Scoville Home Services as well up in Western New York. So I've, I've been kicked out of homes. Oh, yeah, right? I've, I've been to the house. I've been at the coffee table, and I've been thrown out of the house. I've signed the contracts. I've got, I've got stuff done. So I think that resume gives me a unique approach to reality of what's happening, number one, in the industry, and number two, what's happening in the current economic um, positioning that we're in currently today. Mm-hmm. So... To kind of fast forward, where am I today um, with service finance? I've been there for quite a few years. Um, the senior vice president of business development 
Um, yeah. And I also manage a team in Boca Raton um, called Dealer Activation Team, and they manage a couple large accounts like Owens Corning mm-hmm. and Beacon and and the, and like that. So I've got to manage a team there, and I spend a lot of time consulting, training, inspiring, motivating uh, mm-hmm. people in all the trades, not just not just roofing, because we're here at the roof roof processing. All trades, windows and doors, air conditioning, generators, um, you name it. What if it, I, I like to tell contractors, hey, listen, if it goes in it, on it, or around it, I can finance it. Got it. So all, all roads lead back to that. And I own a, a software company out in California. We've got about, let's say about 14,000 members on that platform right now. So between financing and, and uh, my partner runs a software company, I stay pretty busy. Mm-hmm, As you, you can imagine, it's a lot of late nights. Matter of fact, not last night, uh, the night before I was up in the room till one o'clock in the morning, banging away, uh, you know, at the desk. And I was looking on social media. I saw everybody out having dinner and, you know, I, I was up there grinding away, helping contractors win. So I love this stuff, man. It's, it, it's in, it's in my blood. It is in your blood, man. Yeah. You do have a unique perspective, which is why I think people love to talk to you because you've got the contracting perspective along with the finance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about something I've seen over the last couple of years sure. of insurance claims and financing that you talked about unsecured and secured loans. Yes. Per se. Yeah. Um, I've often looked at the insurance claim money as a secured loan as a secured money. It's a secured asset being by, sure. by the insurance companies because once it's done, they tell you you're going to get your money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the problem is acquiring that money a lot of times for contractors. And a lot of people don't realize, especially homeowners and business owners, that process can take six months yeah. in order yeah. to be paid in longer on a commercial claim. Uh, what are you seeing right now? Have there been anything that you that excites you about bridging that gap between money that a, a carrier is giving or a carrier is sending out mm-hmm. and it actually hitting the, the bank of the contractor? Sure. Well, I'm, I would probably not the expert on insurance. Okay. However, I can... I could definitely discuss a solution that's now out there available to maybe bridge that gap that you're talking about. So I know that there's a lot of insurance experts here. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of them. I mean, you could, you could line them up and probably talk to them all day. I can definitely discuss a solution around what's taking place. I mean, John Bros and I were discussing it yesterday. He said, hey, how's the storm going here in Florida? And he, and he looked at me and he kind of shook his head like, this is a storm like no other. Mm-hmm. We're just... It's different. And I said, is the retail model helping? And he said, absolutely. Hmm. Now, what does that mean, right? What does that mean? Well, I'll break it down simple. For anybody that's listening to this, if you'd like to go in-depth further, reach out to me. We'll, we'll have some contact information at the end of this. But here's the bottom line. I'd said this with a roofer at lunch yesterday as well. Roofers roof, and they deserve to get paid when they're done building a roof. I think it's fair to say, right? Or else what? They're going to run into cash flow issues. They're not going to be able to be in business and help people and employ people and do what they're supposed to do. Financing can bridge the gap as a solution to this by a, a couple different ways. Number one, if the and redu- and deductibles are out of this world right now, right? So if the consumer has the insurance, but they need to finance a deductible, we can do that. Mm-hmm. And we do that two programs with no dealer fee. So right. there's no impact to margins because you can't add a dealer fee onto a deductible. It's just not allowed. So you can finance a deductible and call it a day, do the build. And then the consumer pays back the finance company at the end mm-hmm. and the contractor gets paid like it's done. Mm-hmm. You can do lump sum where you bring it all in together, upgrades, deductible plus the roof and finance that, get them approved up front at the point of sale, do the build. And the roofer gets paid when? When the job is done. Mm-hmm. 
And then let's say that the insurance check isn't there or it's on the way or there's an argument or there's an arbitration or there's mediation or whatever the hell that entire crazy insurance process is Mm -hmm. between the insurance company and the homeowner. When they do get that check eventually someday, whenever that is, it's not the roofer's problem. The roofer got paid at installation like they should. The consumer at that point gets an insurance check. Where do they send the insurance check? to the finance company to pay off the loan. So that's where the solution can kind of come into play, that contractors go in, they build the roof, the job is done, it's installed, they press a button, the money is sent directly into their bank account via ACH because the job is completed. Mm -hmm. If there's partial money from an insurance company and they want to pay that loan off, they're more than welcome to. There's no prepayment penalty. It's a 12-month same as cash where there's no interest and they want to pay the entire loan off. They're more than welcome to. So I think using financing as a tool in the roofing industry to help get jobs built, done, and funded so roofers can roof and consumers can pay off that particular loan back to the finance company might be a great way to bridge the current situation that's happening out there. Now, I don't know if it's going to work in every situation because, again, I'm not the insurance professional, nor am I an attorney or saying that I am. But I've seen it done that way, and it's working well. Got it. Yeah, the insurance game is an interesting one. You know, as I think about it right now, one of the things that always becomes a problem is workmanship issues. When the when the loan starts going out there, you know, guarding against workmanship issues on both sides. Sure. You know, homeowner doesn't want to pay back because of the screen had something happen to it. Yeah. Um, it it's, it's always an interesting animal to have, but I think it's a problem that is becoming more prevalent here in Florida as individuals get denied and they're sitting there waiting yeah. um, or they get their underpaid and they're sitting there waiting for that to be fought. Right. Um, and so having something where you do get the money, you know you got to put the roof on anyway. Right. It's going to have to be an expense that you have. Either it's going to be through insurance, which in which case if they pay, you get paid back, or they're not going to deny altogether, and you're still going to have to pay. Right. I think contractors would do a lot better to begin to set that expectation. Here are your real options. Because no matter what, that roof has to be redone. It's either are you going to get paid back for it or are you not? Folks, we're going to be right back to that episode. But first, I want to continue to tell you about my friends over at Scorpion. Um, you've heard me talk about them on the show already. And then, of course, maybe you've seen my podcast over there with Kirby and uh, with Leap. If you haven't, head over and check it out. It's pretty incredible. Uh, but it got me thinking, you know, what makes a great website? We're always so focused on social media here. But the website oftentimes is how people find your company. It's the gateway into what you do better than your competition. So what makes it great? There's four things that I thought about, and I've got them written down right here. The first thing is, listen, you've got to make an easy-to-find website. People aren't going to go searching for you, especially if they're not sure who you are or what you're doing. So Scorpion is able to help with that. Their AI and local advertising means that your potential customers are going to find you. Second thing I've got here, you've got to be able to communicate on your website. You know, we've all been there where we get there, and there's no one we can chat with, and there's no instant way to get a hold of the company. With Scorpion communication, you can make sure that is exactly going to happen. You don't want to lose customers once you've already captured them and they're on your site. And if you don't know how many are you losing, I promise you, you're already losing the game, folks. So number three, a quick response. So if you put in that request on somebody's website, don't you want them to get back with you right away? You don't want it two to three weeks later. And that's exactly what they're helping people out with. They call it Scorpion communication. It means this. When somebody puts in a text over to you, to your customer, or your customer puts in a text to you, 
Let's say you both phone call back and forth or you send some emails back and forth. With Scorpion, you get all that information in one place. This means you don't lose potential customers because they fall between the cracks somewhere of an email and a text message that never gets communicated with. So you gotta have that prompt communication and they're helping with that as well. And number four, I've got written down here reputation. Do you know the reputation of your company within your local community? Probably not. You probably know you think what it is or what you think your reputation is, but do you physically understand it on a one to 10 scale, something that's really going to tell you where you're at? If you are losing people because they're coming to your website and they don't trust you, then you've got a big problem on your hands and you need to address it immediately and you need to address it with Scorpion. Folks, if you want to reach out to them, you simply go scorpion.co slash tpcs. Again, that is scorpion.co slash TPCS. They're going to be able to help you out, get you on the right track, give you a consultation, and get you on the track to making more money with healthy marketing and a great website. Now, back to that episode. Yes. And then there's a flip side of it as well that we didn't even discuss. Financing actually helps contractors get paid. What the hell does that mean? So at the end of a project, if a consumer's paying cash, mm-hmm. And contractors to go and say, hey, we're done. Pay me. Sure. If they don't like the way the end caps look or if there's a rip screen, what are they going to do? They're going to negotiate or say, no, I'm not going to pay you. Mm-hmm. Here's a neat thing with financing. It adds, interestingly enough, an added layer of security for the contractor to get paid. Here's the reason why. When you're at the point of sale and you run the mobile app and you get approved, you've signed the, con- let's, let's use $10,000. Just a simple number. And I'm sure. a simple man. They've signed the contract. They've agreed to the contract of the work to be done. They've gone to the mobile app. They've, you're using plan uh, 4132, no dealer fee, 9910 year. Got it. Consumers incredibly excited because only 132 bucks a month. Contractor's happy because there was no dealer fee on that program. So it didn't affect his margins and he didn't have to build anything into it. So we have two happy people. They've signed the contract for the work to be done mm-hmm. to spec very specific line items on what's going to be put on that roof. They've signed the finance agreement electronically with the finance company, which is the sixth largest bank in the United States. So they feel pretty secure about who they're going to, who's going to be financing the project and who they're going to be paying because we service our own loans. Mm-hmm. So the contractor's feeling, uh, the consumer and the contractor are having a pretty good fiduciary at this point. Sure. They know them, they like them, they trust them. They've educated them. They've signed the contract. They've got them approved for financing and they've signed our contract in that one. The contractor goes and does the build. Let's say that they're in a super duper county and they get the job done in five days. Got it. Contractor goes into his portal and presses a button. The button releases the money directly into his bank account via ACH. The lender calls back the consumer and says, hey, welcome to our bank. Here's how your loan works. Your payment coupon's in the, in the mail. It'll be there in 35 days. There's no prepayment penalty. They establish the relationship because they service the loan. Nowhere in that process did I say, the consumer has this control factor to stop the payment because they're not in love with the color of the XYZ. Nowhere. The job got done, the job got installed, the job got paid. It helps. The financing is a great tool and a product that helps control the sale from the get-go, from the point of sale to the demo, to throughout the process, to the installation. It helps the process move forward. They've signed two contracts. They've signed a finance contract. They've signed the contractor's contract, and they're feeling pretty solid about it. Now, a question for you about the contractor we're signing with the finance company. I'll go back to that. When they're signing that that finance company, this is a loan for specifically for the roof, or is this a, hey, listen, 
This is a loan we're doing for home improvement. Now, the reason I ask that is because if there is a workmanship issue at that point and that loan is being called right now, they're saying, hey, the roof is done. Contractor said it's done and presses the button. They got their money. Now you're sending that to the homeowner and saying, hey, I need my payment now, whatever it is, my first month's payment next month. Mm -hmm. And are they going back at all and saying, you know what? I shouldn't have to pay you because contractor did something wrong over here. Because if that's the case, it puts them in a predicament because – I see what you're saying, but let's say the state, the state of Florida, you can lean that home if they decide not right. to do it. Yep. And so I look at this and I think, could, in fact, a contractor be able to scurry out of this thing after doing something wrong? Let's just say there is something that needs to be repaired. Homeowner then says, I got no recourse against contractor and unless I hold this money mm-hmm. because how am I going to get my roof fixed here? And now I have to start paying you even though I'm not happy with my roof. Right. So. I'm, I'm questioning where that checks and balances for the contractor to do the right thing by the homeowner. Right. If they know they're going to get paid no matter what, and workmanship is not something they're going to have to be held to in order to receive their money, how do we make sure that the contractor is held accountable? Checks and for, balances. Right. Good. Excellent. Great question. So in the uh, funding process of clicking the button, mm-hmm. we're going to do a call to say, hey, welcome to our company. Recorded call type right. thing? Yeah, recording. Okay, okay. now that's the job now we're complete. getting it. Yeah, job certificate Certificate of completion and right. a recorded call. You're not upset with anything? It's an added layer. It's okay. an added layer of a welcome call, we could call it. Job completed, yes. Here's a neat thing on this. We don't need paperwork. I don't need change orders. I don't need contracts set in. I don't need a COC. I don't need a final permit. I don't need a PTO. I don't need anything from the contractor. We're trusting because we vetted the contractor. We have a relationship with them that they've done their job according to the contract. But that's a great question because there are some bad characters out there, right? Guess what happens to them? Well, they have a workmanship warranty. The consumer can obviously go back to them. There's no recourse, meaning we're never going to claw back a loan from a contractor and say, hey, your your consumer stopped paying over here, right? However, there can be a UCC filing on that if they default on the loan. So from a lending perspective, there's some protection, but we we are non-recourse. So we're never going to go back to a contractor and say, hey, man, come on, you got to go back out there and fix this. They're not going to pay on their loan. Like we don't get involved to that aspect. But what we would do and what we have done is if we see it's a repeatable offense, and we've got some contractors that'll do $400 million a year with us. Those guys are not having repeatable offenses. Do they have unhappy customers? Absolutely. Because if they don't, they're not a great contractor, right? You're doing big numbers like window companies, and I'm not going to name them because, you know, whatever. Gotcha. $400 million a year. They've got some problems, man. Yeah. But here's the thing. They correct them. They, they mediate. They fix the situation. They answer to the customer complaint. They make it better. Like real contractors do that, mm-hmm. right? So there are some checks and balances in it. Great question. Yeah, let me ask about you, man. Sure. Anytime I see you around here, I've seen these conferences. Very, uh, you got a lot of energy. You're talking with a lot of people. Um, being that, you, you know, out here, in, I'm going to say in public, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, it's, it's easy to be that high energy guy. Not easy, but it takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there are times at the end of the day where, you know, I try to be high and I'm just like, <laughs> You know, okay, I'm, I'm beat now. <laughs> yes, um, 100%. Man. You know, what? It, what is Chris like, you know, behind the scenes here, man? Are you more quiet? Where do you, how do you oh, recharge your battery? It. Dude, this is such a great question. My wife and I were just, we were laughing about it this weekend. Yeah. So here's here's my hours of operation. <laughs> I get up early in the morning. Could be 4.30, could be 5. Sure. I do my coffee. Matter of fact, I brought my coffee here because I don't like hotel coffee. So I'm a coffee snob. Go to the gym, walk the dog, do all my morning routines do my best thinking, meditating, business planning, and reading in the morning, right? I'm just a morning person. It's not, oh, that whole, you know, 
motivation in a box entrepreneur sure. bullshit. It's like, dude, that's when I'm, that's when my testosterone level is the highest. So I'm freaking taking advantage of it. I'm 52 years old. I know my system. Great question though, because from the outside world, I'd be perceived as this ball of energy. Here's the really cool thing. At about eight o'clock at night, and my wife and I laugh about it all the time, it goes, That was pitch perfect, by the way. Did you like that? Good. All right. So we'll laugh because even my my wife's friends and her coach, my wife's a nurse, yeah. they're like, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that high energy guy all the time? She's like, high energy. She's like, sometimes I've got to go and give him some compressions to make sure he's still breathing on the other end of the couch. Dude, I get on the I get on the couch, we chill out, do some stuff with my wife. I got a beautiful little labradoodle. Her name is Bella. She's like 80 pounds. She'll just come and she'll nestle herself right in the nook. And I'll just pet her and she, we just bring each other down to that cool spot and we go to bed early. We don't drink. We don't party. I don't go to clubs. There's a lot of things that I don't do in life that centers me. Um, but man, as far as the high energy thing, it's in the morning, it's in the afternoon. And you had said before we started this, you go to bed, you go to the gym at 730. Somewhere out of there, yeah. Can't do it. I mean, I don't know if my clock, but the clock has changed. Because it happens. I used to do uh, black belt training for Krav Magan Buffalo. And our class didn't start till 8 o'clock at night. And mm-hmm. I drive 35 minutes just to get there. I leave it, you know, 6, 7. Get to the class, train for 2 or 3 hours, and then drive back. And I look back at that. And that was just, man, maybe in my late 30s, early 40s that I was doing that. I still had a lot of energy at night. But I... You know, I know what my clock is now and I'm working with it because I know that my time in the morning is that's when my energy's up. That's when I get my workout in and that's when I get my best thinking done. Interesting you say that. I'd like to know this from you because, you know, they talk about how do people recharge their batteries. Some people need to be alone. Other people, they need to go out. For me personally, if I don't get, there are a couple things that if I don't get, I'm upset about. Number one is if I don't get time in my day to yeah. be able to relax, to be able to to turn the brain off. Yeah. And I think a lot of people see individuals that are more high energy and think it's got to be that way all the time. Yeah. Or if they are that way, then having to take a break makes them uh, unproductive, let's right. just say. But yeah. if I don't get that break, whether it's, you know, usually when I get home from the gym where I've got, okay, I'm going to watch my Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson. I'm going to take sure. my, turn my brain off for just a minute. Um, that it becomes something that becomes more stressful and anxiety for me yeah. if I don't get that time right there. Um, and I think that a lot of individuals need to know that that's okay to take that 30 minutes, an hour to go ahead and be with a labradoodle to go ahead yeah. and just do that um, rather than going, 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 and then having a breakdown. The breakdowns suck. Yeah. they. I mean, there's, um, and I always know it. My wife's really in tune with it after being together for over 10 years now. She knows when I'm going through something. When, because there's highs where your brain is just clicking. The ideas are clicking and life is happening. You're on this hamster wheel and you've got high energy and things are working out and, and it's just rolling. And there's, there's times where things just aren't doing that, man. And it dips down. And that's when it's okay for me to ride that wave. Cause it's okay to not be on all the time. It's okay to be down. Does it suck? Does it feel like depression? Sometimes it does. Do you know why? Because the fucking high is so amazing when things are rolling that sometimes when things aren't rolling, you're like, am I okay? Am I okay? And my wife, we'll talk about it. She's like, are you all right? You're going, I said, yeah, I'm I'm in that spot right now. It's usually a couple days, but yes, man, that recharge thing to get in line each day, 
it's in the morning. It's on my walk. Okay. I'm grateful for, for, I go out, I look up. I'm like, man, I'm so blessed to be here. I'm walking my dog. I'm listening to Andy Frisell on the podcast thing in the morning. I'm learning. I'm not, it's just all about being in that moment and recharging, man. I love that. Well, you just said a couple of days. My, my question is, I know that a lot of people are going to feel this way. You're further along than some are in their journey. When you're going great for five days, your mind is working quickly. Yeah. You're moving through tasks in a way that is productive and efficient. Right. But, you know, for me, where it happens is let's say I stop. I've, I deserve it now. I'm yeah. going to go out and get slammed drunk. Mm. All right. Oh. Now, when you get slammed drunk and then you come back the next day, you are no matter what, you are out of that flow state now. Oh, man, it is something else. But yeah. if we're not talking about alcohol, let's just talk in general. Yeah. Yeah. You get off track. Yeah. Um, something happens and all of a sudden you're not. You know what I mean? Yep. Things aren't flowing too yep. well through the yep. mind. What does Chris do to get that back on quickly? You've been productive in your life, done a lot of different things. How does someone click that back on to get back into that flow state in the most, in the quickest way possible? Great question. And um, my sister's brilliant. We're completely opposites. I'm an A, she's a B. Okay. She's just this level-headed, very intelligent woman. And there's been times where like really really bad things in my life have happened mm -hmm. and like enough to make you want to curl up on a ball and go dude how are you going to keep living after this right my sister said it to me best she said when you're down in life or when and this could even be for those three days that you're kind of sucking your thumb on the couch mm -hmm. watching pacific rim when you're down in life think about the people that have a worse think about the kids at the cancer clinic that know that they're going to die but wake up every morning and love each moment of the day. And I was a camp counselor for Camp Good Days and Special Times. Father died when I was 17. I needed to do something, man, because I was on a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. And somehow someone came into my life, a mentor, and said, hey, you need to go be a counselor for Camp Good Days and Special Times. And I'm like, well, why? They're like, you just need to do it. And now I know why. At 52, I can look back and go, I needed to see a bunch of kids with terminal cancer that were going to die. But all got together at a camp and loved every freaking second and minute of the day. I needed that because my father died and I was headed down, man. I was in a bad place. I needed to see people that had it worse than me. And that lifts you up. So when you go back to the couch and you're sucking on your thumb because your energy level isn't high, I get my flow back by thinking about people that aren't as blessed as I am at the moment. It might be trying really hard just to get up a little bit. And I look around me and I look at my home, I look at my family, I look at my health, I look at my dogs, I look at my wife, I look at my life, I get myself out of it. Does it happen immediately? Hell freaking no. Does it suck? Hell yeah, man. Embrace the suck. Because mm. if you don't know what, what it's like to feel shitty, how the hell are you ever going to know what it feels like to feel good, man? You got to be able to appreciate both sides, man. That yin and that yang of... Good energy, low energy, feeling good and happy, feeling shitty. Because you won't appreciate feeling good if you don't feel shitty. So, I love it. I got a feeling you're the toughest one in yourself, though. Oh, man. So, with people out there, let's say like myself, like you, a lot of high type A's are harder on themselves than oh. anybody else is ever going to yeah. be on them. Yeah. Um, how I've got mixed feelings about this. At times in my life, I felt that it was more beneficial. Like, listen, I'm harder on myself than anyone else is going to be on me. Right. And therefore, I find anxiety with that. <laughs> and I have looked at anxiety as a positive thing yeah. at times in life. In fact, when I've got out of drinking, um, like, let's say the two to three days after, yeah. anxiety, anxiety is high. Productivity is low. But right after you get done with alcohol, all right, what happens is, in my opinion, I don't have much anxiety. 
And in a couple of days, as it passes, my anxiety levels start to go up. Yeah, yeah. They start to pile. Yeah. And I, I've begun to look at that as a good thing. Like, really? okay, yeah, here's what, I've begun to say, hold up, anxiety is coming back. And with, I can feel it coming back into my head. Like the lump? Or yeah, you in my head. Okay. Because I'll be, you know, maybe I'm taking a nap hungover. Right. By the end of the day, that hungover day, anxiety starts to come back in. Yeah. Uh, I got to work tomorrow. I got this. I got this too. It all starts to come up. And I've begun to say, coming back, which means oh, productivity so is about to come back. Because pro that productivity right. is in line, parallel. It's right there with productivity for me. And you know what's coming after. Right. Doing work. So I've been, okay, I'm like, no anxiety yet. I'm not ready yet. By that afternoon, I'm like, I'm getting a snap. I feel like I can't take it anymore. <laughs> it's like a rubber band, man. I said, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, and then I'm starting to feel it come back. And I go, oh, by the nighttime, I'm like, I got six things I got to get to. Where am I going to start? How's it going to happen? What's it going to do? And tomorrow morning, I got, and when it starts to come back, I go, okay, we're fine. I know it's That's coming back amazing. now. But along those same lines, I think about you and I, go, I, I wonder, what is it about you that gets you from out of beating yourself up? If you are, um, when saying, you know what, I screwed up. And this is a better way to phrase the question. Mm -hmm. Personally upset with yourself or the outside world upset with yourself or with you, maybe about something, you messed something up, this deal fell through. What motivates you the most? Is it, hey, listen, me and, and being in my place or that outside people making sure they're happy, making sure they're taken care of? What is most important to Chris as you work through being as productive and as efficient as possible it's me you i hmm. i um and people wouldn't i was doing a podcast a while back and there we were talking about going all in burning the boats rah! from a perception people would look at me like dude that guy will burn the boat. Yeah, he's, he's a biking he's gonna go to war i'm so conservative dude i always got a plan b like mm -hmm. i'm very smart about that stuff but it's all about me i love people i'm i'm the a i like to, to communicate and help people, but I'm here. I, I, the control factor that I have within myself, yes, outside things affect me, but dude, the challenge and the struggle and the fight is always within me. I love, I, I, I love it because I'm so in tune with me to know where I am and I can openly admit where I am and I'm totally comfortable with it that I know, like you just said, man, you can feel that anxiety coming up. I know what anxiety feels like, dude, that lump in the throat thing. And it's funny you said it about alcohol. I can't, like, I'm an all-in guy. So if we're at summertime and we're partying at the pool and we start having some, like, margaritas during the day in the pool and then we go down to Casamaya and we have more margaritas, I'm all in. Like, dude, I'm going to get Yeah. I'm not just like, a, hey, I'll have a beer or two. We're all in. Man, the next day, alcohol tears me apart. Mm -hmm. It can knock me off for days and i can be at one of those life is rolling ideas are flowing things are good i'm working out energy's good i'm eating well and i can have that all in alcohol day yeah <laughs> brother man it can knock me off for weeks so i know now what to could stay away from yeah alcohol man that that'll take me if i'm life is good and I go all in on that alcohol day and it's fun man trust me I'm really good at it. I love it. <laughs> that it's turned on my wife's like, it's turned on, man. You ain't going to turn it off. I'll yeah. finish when I'm finished. But the next day, dude, I get up and I'm like, couch, Netflix.com on the couch, man. Snack. I call it snacking out. Yeah. Dude, I'll snack. I could be eating healthy for like a month. And after an alcohol day, I'm snacking out on Netflix.com on the couch sideways. Like, don't talk to me. Make it dark in here. Let's go. 
Love it. Let's watch this whole series in one day. Man, but I'll, yeah. Alcohol's my demon, man. I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> Folks, we're here with Chris Scoville right now. No, service service financial. I got two other questions, though, for you. Sure, sure. Yep. I got to take one second. I got to thank a sponsor here. They're actually right next to us right here. I got to thank my boys over at Equipter. Uh, folks, if you're still doing things like you do back in the 1983, going up to a building, dropping a dumpster, making people walk all the way across the building, the job site, the roof, in order to get rid of debris, you are making a huge mistake. Your crews can become more efficient. You can save more money, and you can put on more roofs, do more of the projects that you love by having Equipter. I encourage everybody, go over Equipter.com. Talk to Aaron, the entire crew over there. They will take care of you. They got some great finance options as well with Equipter. It's American-made up in PA. Uh, so I've been to their factory. I've seen what they do. You will not be disappointed. Uh, Jason uh, Reisman down here in Florida. Um, he is, I think, 23, 24. You can start with one. It will not be your last. An incredible product. Again, Equipter.com. They will take care can of I, you. Can I add to that? Add to, add away to it. Dude, uh, I'm sitting here looking at it, and I've seen them on job sites. And guys, it's like a transformer that markets for you. Yeah. Like, you could logo it out, and, and the QR, you can do everything to it, right? It's, amazing. it's like having a transformer do it. Yeah. People it's who like, label it, I mean, you're so on a cool, job man. site, you've got it's your It's a conversation logo. piece. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's like Pretty a digital flooded. business card. Yes. It starts a great conversation. God, it's yeah. good. I love them, man. They're right uh, over there. Way so to go, Equipter. Yeah, they do a great job. Um, I appreciate that because yeah. it's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, final two questions, though, here Shoot. for you, okay? Yeah, I love We're here at a roofing conference right now. We're talking about the anxiety. We've been talking about how to get out of it, all right? Yeah. How do, how do roofers here – I. You've been to many of these. You know this more than yeah, a me. lot. Yeah, I yeah. will see a vendor but or a contractor at one of these events. They're doing amazing stuff, all right? Yep. I come back a year later, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah. I got a guy I'm thinking about right now who I, I love and was so involved a couple of years ago, haven't heard from him or seen him in a while. Mm. I should probably give the man a call. Yeah. I should do. Yeah. Um, what, what is it with this industry that tends to burn out vendors and contractors like that People can be so intense, so like type A mm -hmm. personality. Yep. They can know their why. They can have all this stuff going for them, and yet they still fall out within two to five years. They're nowhere to be found. I would have to say systems and processes and staying lean. Mm. I mean, from, a, from not ever owning a, a roofing, it's hard for me to really answer that. But you're right. We also need to support each other. Yeah, I do better. Like, than better for you me. know, there's some, you, and listen, anybody listen to this. There's groups. There's roofers in recovery. Yeah, they're great. Right? There's... If you ever need to talk to somebody because shit's getting bad in your life, reach out to Patrick, reach out to me. We both have had life experiences that whether you know us or not, we'll pick up the freaking phone and talk sure. to you. So if, if you're leaving the industry because of that, reach out to somebody. Number two, staying lean and staying profitable and not exceeding, um, not exceeding outside of your bills. I think it's super important. I think it's like having a great restaurant and your restaurant's doing really well, and you're like, dude, we're cranking. Our margins are good. People love our food. Let's go open up another restaurant and those two other zip codes and not having a control factor. It's like the Ray Kroc story, right, sure. when the McDonald's brothers started the franchises with no control. Systems and processes and maintaining po uh, profitable margins is super important. So if you've got that in one location and you can make that work and replicate it, rock and roll. You start spreading yourself out there, we, I was having a conversation with a window guy out there. He's like, oh, man, I want to market. I want to do all this on that. And I go, whoa, dude, how about becoming a real proficient marketing professional inside of your Truman bubble? And we could do this on another podcast. I'll talk about the Truman bubble marketing effect. He's like, what the hell do you mean? I go, well, you remember the Truman show, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, Jim Carrey lived in this freaking bubble. I said, what if you treated one zip code amazingly? 
and you did all these unbelievable things. So you are the only contracting window company in that zip code that dominates everything. They think about a window that needs replaced. They think about you. A screen is broken. They think about you. And you set up all these repeatable things, referrals, rewards, retention, reviews, that you're the only window company, 33441, that exists. And oh. then you go to another zip code. So I think that there's a lot more to be said about how how and why people go out of business or where they went. A lot of it's not setting up proper margins. Sure. Another conversation out there that pertains to this. Uh, the gentleman was looking at CRMs. Um, I'm not the CRM expert at all. And I uh, I said to him, I said, well, what's your volume? He says, we're about three. And he, he like depressingly said, I'm at like three and a half million. I said, well, great. What's your margin? He's like 47, 52. I was like, dude. What do you, what, wow. why do you want to be a $10 million company? I said to him, and he got, we kind of laughed. He's like, well, cause that's the next step. I go, but what if your margins went down to 15%? Yeah. And Brian Kaskovoski and over at the wealthy contractor, he's got great people on there that talk about maintaining proper margins. Like yes. it's so important to maintain profit margins instead of thinking about the overall freaking volume number, man. So I think that might have a lot to do with it as well. I'm going to give you another example. My final question yep. here for you. I know you got to go over to the booth and things are starting to get started. You mentioned the Truman Show. That show took a, or the, the movie took a turn yep. when he finds out that he's being watched. Yes. All right. Yeah. But before that, he was being watched and was just a normal guy going through life happy as can be. Right. Do you think the lack of success or the turn that contractors have from on the rise up could be contri partly contributed to the fact that as you become more successful as a contractor or the stage becomes a possibility in whatever industry you're in, yeah. the eyeballs become a possibility. People start to pay attention to you. The put stuff you put online yes. starts to become something people actually watch yes. and think you're an authority in. Yep. Could you then have the effect that Truman had when the eyeballs get on you, you all of a sudden are not what you were before? 100% man that's a lot of pressure to live up to yeah right especially when you start looking at your cohorts and your competitors and like oh my god their videos content is so much better than mine so what would you tell a contractor they're, they're three years in and all of a sudden they've gone to let's say they've had some success I got one right now I can think of great guy in Georgia um and I don't want to see him change ever yeah um because he's perfect I mean the company is perfect and um hero roofing um and just a great person how can you avoid that? The, the pressure and the need to possibly change when the eyeballs start to turn on you, mm -hmm. when you start to want to be more well-known, you get it. And then you look at it and go, well, I've never had anybody listen to me. I've been a roofer for four years, yeah. three years. I do a job. It's good. I want to keep my head down, but now I'm conflicted with, I feel like people are listening to me and they want to hear from me, but that's taking me off of my core. Yeah. Because that's not who I am at my core. I think he just said it, man. Stay true to your core. Be authentic. Be vulnerable. Be you. Don't feel like you got to be someone that you're not. Mm. There's a lot of that imposter syndrome shit. Like, you, like oh, I got to get on. I got to do this. I got to do these this many pieces of content. Like, no, you don't. You got to be you. You got to be real. You got to be authentic. When I'm consulting with somebody on doing an offer video, right, for the software thing, they're like, well, what's the best way to do video? I see so much stuff online and how to do it, how to do it properly and perfect. I'm like, dude, be perfectly imperfect. Just be yes. you and vulnerable. What do you mean? Get on the roof, take your freaking iPhone and say, hey, I'm Chris with Chris's Roofing and I'm here in Deerfield Beach, Florida, and we're helping people out. And I'd love to help you out too. Yes. Fill that form out on this landing page. We'll go over to your house, do an estimate, get up in your attic and see what's going on in your roof because it's dangerous 
Don't you get up there and fall down. Let me get up there and take a look for you. We'll talk to you soon. Authenticity, vulnerability, and realism is what people need and want. To feel as if if I had to hire an actor to go do that, they wouldn't even know what they'd say. They wouldn't trust me. They wouldn't like me. They wouldn't know me. It wouldn't be Chris's roofing. Stay real, man. Stay real to who you are. Be who you are, and don't feel like you got to be anything else but that. His name is Scott Scoville, everybody. I mean, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Hey, there we go. Well, we're starting it up here. Uh, it. Name is Chris Scoville. Um, we'll put some of his information right across the bottom of the screen, or we will put it into the comments section. Um, it's been a real pleasure Thank getting you, to spend man. some time really with you. Um, and it's great to see you around here, the energy and the love you have for this for this industry. Excellent. Um, it's what draws me to you. Excellent. And I know it's what draws other people to you as well. You have a wealth of knowledge, but there's a lot of knowledge out there. Um, it's how you make people feel. It's the energy you bring. You know, even when you come here talking a little bit, it's uh, it's real special. So I thank you very much. It. Thank you so much. Man. All right, guys. Until next time, everybody, get in touch with this guy.